Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. I have a member of our community on today's episode. We're going to call her Christine. She's a traveling nurse and the mother of five children. Her children range in age from four to 23 years old. She's been with her husband that she has now for seven years, and this is her third marriage. So we are going to learn about her story today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. We're happy to have you. You've been married three times. Would you describe all three of your marriages as abusive? Um, sadly, yes, but I did not know that until going through this current marriage and all of the BTR resources. I did not realize they were abusive. For your first two where you got a divorce, looking back now, like, oh, that's what the cause was, but you didn't know until BTR. That is true. With my first one, I was very young and he ended up just abandoning us. And so I always just thought like, I just, I wasn't enough. I just wasn't enough, you know, to keep him happy in here. And then going through BTR, I realized, oh my gosh, he was gaslighting the whole time. All of these things that were going on, this was real stuff. So it's, it's been some freedom just being able to let that go. Yeah. Yeah. And then my second marriage, sadly, because I had children from my first marriage. My second marriage, my husband, he became very physically abusive to them. So that, of course, I knew that from his abuse. But, so I ended up leaving him and, and getting a divorce for, obviously, for safety of my children. So how did you find BTR? So about a year and a half into my relationship with my current husband, it was just a train wreck. I had found out the week after we uh, I told him that I was pregnant with our son, that he was watching pornography. And this ended up being a like every day, several times a day habit. It was just a, a total train wreck. And I was just crying and feeling desperate and kind of searching on the internet to try to find some supportive words or something. And I came upon the BTR listing on the website for gaslighting. And it was the first time I had heard the term gaslighting. And then it just blossomed from there. All of my uh, going to the BTR website and finding the books and reading through them and listening to your podcasts. So you're familiar with my voice. Yes. You've been my best friend for so many years and you don't even know. 
<laughs> I'm so happy to hear that and so sorry to hear that at the same time. There were so many times that like one of the things I lost through this was the ability to sleep or rest at all. And I would go to the doctor and my blood pressure would be normal on the top, but the bottom number would be so high. And they're like, your body's just not relaxing, you know? And so I would have to listen to your podcast or I would want to listen to your podcast, but I would have to listen to them just to be able to find sleep at night because the torment is just so, so deep and so continuous. You never get rest from it, but your voice would bring me to a place where I could actually get some sleep. Oh, that is such good news. My ex-husband would disagree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you're here to share your story. So we're going to focus today on her third marriage, so her current marriage. Focusing on this part of your story, did you recognize his behaviors as abusive at first? Can you talk about kind of before you found the porn, how you felt, and then we'll talk about after At first, when I first started, you know, seeing kind of red flags, like we would be driving along and he would make a a cat call to some woman on the side of the road, it would be so hurtful and shocking. And then I would minimize it and think, oh, it's just because he's been single so long. Yeah, I just totally excused it, but I did not recognize it as abuse at all until I found BTR. So he was cat calling people in front of you? Gosh, yeah, it's one of my most painful memories like it was early on when we were dating and we were taking my girls going to the beach and this woman like bent over in front oh we were driving by and she bent over and he like yelled some obscenity at her you know and I was just like shocked I was like frozen I couldn't even respond it was so painful so after you were married did these types of behaviors continue or toward you did they continue like Did you start seeing other things? Yes. So sadly, he got to the point where he would start rejecting me sexually. And, you know, like growing up in the church, I knew, well, I had been trained growing up in the church that you always provide for your husband sexually and never give them a chance where they would not have their needs met and all of that stuff that they teach that I'm realizing now is so wrong. So I made sure that I was always there and providing for that and that he started rejecting me. And he would say like, oh, I only need to have sex maybe like once every four days and things like that. And it was just like a a total change from what I had known as I knew there was something wrong. And, you know, I could just feel it very much, very much in my spirit, like this isn't right. And I had a feeling just from hearing sermons in church, like maybe there's an issue with pornography here. So I started questioning him and questioning him and finally after I told him you know like we're pregnant we're gonna have a baby a week after that he finally admitted to it I was just curious as to what denomination that you grew up in that you thought you needed to provide for his sexual needs like that that was your job that was just a general non-denominational Christian church Yeah, so you can hear that in a lot of churches. I went to non-denominational churches and Baptist and Methodist, and you're going to hear that message across all three of those for sure. It's a misogynistic trope that is everywhere. And you know what's interesting? It's not just religious. It's in secular places, too. It's all over the place. In religious circles, it's spiritual abuse. And then if other non-religious places like in a secular setting it's more like men have these needs and they're they're like mammals kind of you know and they Mm -hmm. and so they have these sexual needs that women need to provide for because if they don't have these needs met they're gonna have to go somewhere else 
I have learned that this is absolutely not true, and I am not responsible for my husband's faithfulness. That's his job and between him and the Lord. You mentioned that you thought he was just going to have to get used to being in a relationship. I did think that he had just been single for so long it would take time. But then I also thought I was being too sensitive. And I remember praying in the beginning because a lot of the, the Christian books will tell you, like, your prayer should first be change me, Lord. So I was doing that. I was like, Lord, I don't know why this is bothering me so bad. Please change me, Father. It Make me so that I'm not so sensitive, you know, and I prayed this with such fervency. The interesting thing about that is that was your goal to be changed, to be not so sensitive, but like all women should be sensitive to that. Yeah, right. Definitely. I, I'm just so glad to find out that what felt wrong is actually wrong. It's very validating. It is. And, you know, for the entire year, I felt like as the wife, I was totally surrounded by protectors and advocates. And it really gave me the freedom to find my own healing while I had those protectors on board. So before you found BTR and besides the prayer, did you try anything else to try and establish safety and peace in your home? Like maybe cooking more or exercising or I don't know. I tried absolutely everything. I spent thousands of dollars on new lingerie to try to keep things interesting for him. We also tried every single possible church-focused program. Most of them, in fact, all of them ended up being uh, very damaging for me and, you know, giving him wrong advice for sure. (laughs) We also tried uh, regular therapy. We did EMDR, had psychological testing done, found out that I had extreme PTSD. I tried absolutely everything I could find. Looking back on that, like trying every single thing you can find, what's your feeling about that period now? Like all the searching that you were doing? I heard God's voice in the beginning tell me that BTR was the right way to go, but I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so I was like, "Uh, okay, Lord, but let's try what my insurance will cover. Okay, let's try what's free. And looking back, I wish I would have skipped all of it because it was further traumatizing and it lengthened the process. I'm going through this for, this is coming up seven years now, and my body and my health has suffered so extremely because of the length of time that I sat in this So were you aware of BTR like right from the beginning, but you thought like, "Mm, let's try something else for years? Is that kind of how it went down? Sorry, I'm curious about Yes, for years. So I found you, I think after being with him a year and a half, and then I would listen to all of your podcasts. I read every book that you recommended. I just, it calls like where you can go in and you can meet the group of ladies from BTR. BTR group sessions? Yes, yes, I did that. And it was very healing. And those sessions, they were absolute lifesavers. I have no doubt without BTR, I would not be alive right now because my my depression and suicidal ideation were so severe during the darkest hours. And BTR was there to, to pull me out of it, to be my advocate and my friend. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, maybe yourself in those two first marriages, or maybe yourself a year ago or five years ago, what are the most important things you've learned? And what do you think you'd be like, I have to tell myself this, like, this is so important. If it was my younger self, I would, I would tell myself the truth. I don't know that I would have chosen marriage, to be honest. If I knew the truth, I think I would have not gotten married in my life. I would have stayed single and focused on my career. Uh, It wouldn't have been something that I chose to participate in. As much as there are 
many joys. There, there's so much possibility for danger. If I could go back to the beginning of this marriage, I, I would tell myself to run, <laughs> get out, don't stay, don't try to work through it, just run. <laughs> Do not place my future on my husband. I'm prepared either way, and I know that I will be okay either way. I feel safe, and I know if he starts to be not safe again, that I know my exit plan. I've got a postnuptial, and I'm okay. I'm ready either way. From your experience, why do you think it takes victims so long to understand that they're being abused? Because victims don't go into their love story any different than a non-victim. Like, you know, you're falling in love. You're having all of these special moments. You guys are connecting. At least you believe you're connecting, even though the other side is fake connecting and lying. Like, our hearts are still intertwined with them. This is still our love story. And we cannot imagine the things that are happening when they happen. It just feels like it's unfathomable when it happens. It's like your baseline is this particular reality, which is he's a good guy and he loves me and he cares about our family. And so wrapping your head around the actual reality that they actually don't care about and they're, they just want what they want and they don't really genuinely care about other people because they're incapable of doing that is really hard, right? Yeah. To wrap your head around. Yeah. It is. I mean, especially being, you know, brought up as a little girl on Disney princess videos. Like you just, there is no Disney princess video that ends like this. We're not prepared. And then as humans, we're, we're really prepped for flaws in humanity. Like, you know, you're marrying an imperfect person. And especially as a believer, you're going to be like, well, okay, I'm going to give him grace on this. I'm going to help him through it because I'm not perfect either. And so I think as believers, we have give them an extra step, uh, extra cushion room sometimes. What are some of the concepts that have helped you the most to protect yourself that you've learned at BTR? So um, I think for me, it was boundaries and my coach, she really helped me with this one because even going through traditional therapy, they were, they were trying to teach me boundaries. And I, I just thought, well, I'm just not a person who can have boundaries. I just, for some reason, I can't do it. But what I learned was the concept of boundaries outside of BTR is, is totally different. And so when I got to BTR and it's kind of even like that little cartoon that you have where you're like, the BTR shows boundaries like putting boundaries is putting on your uh what do you call it? steel steel toed boots yeah yeah I I finally got it once I was in BTR and um, my coach helped me take it really slow and she took all the pressure off of it and she was like it's okay boundaries are practice if you don't get it right then you just do it again don't put pressure on yourself just keep practicing boundaries that helped me so much when I got to BTR and they said well how about just don't have sex if you don't want to and start with that boundary. I felt like liberated, like, oh my gosh, I don't have to have sex if I don't want to. And I can do that, you know, and that's like, that's validating myself and protecting myself. And it was, it was really freeing. That is wonderful. Cause I have worked so hard to try and teach boundaries in a way that actually is doable for yeah. victims. Right? right. And one that will actually protect them. Because the other ways just don't seem to do anything. They don't seem to protect and they're impossible to do. They are. They end up feeling like false threats. I always start telling myself, okay, how do I put on steel-toed boots for this one? (laughs) It was like my visual that made, made the boundaries possible for everything. 
That's really cool, Christine, to hear that that that, that was working for you and that helped. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Were there any other concepts that helped you that you felt like, oh, like BTR teaches this in such a way that it actually helps? Yeah, I think the most powerful thing for me with BTR was the the validation um, for other forms of therapy and all the other groups I would go, I would get the message, you're being too sensitive or that's a normal guy thing. But when I would go to BTR, I could seriously get the pain validated and it felt like having someone there who really got me, like it would give me enough joy enough to make it through that day and kind of take away that feeling of like, am I crazy? Like I'm crazy in my head. That was so powerful for me. I don't feel like people really understand the depth of the the sorrow and pain and darkness. For me, I very much felt like a prisoner of war. It very much felt like I was in a cold and dark and damp cell and I was crying and nobody could hear me. Like all of the incidents that would happen, it felt like my husband would like drag me out of my cell and beat me again. And the people that I related to the most were honestly other people who had gone through horrible forms of human suffering. So much peace and comfort listening to their stories, knowing that they had experienced human suffering in a painful way like I had. And I just feel like when we're going through this, it is so dark. It is so demonic. It is so evil. It's absolutely soul crushing. It is. Now that I'm feeling so much better, I forget sometimes about how terrible it was. It doesn't take me long to remember. I can like take myself back there pretty easily because it was so awful. And it's long and there's no end in sight, you know, going through it. It just feels so hopeless and awful. And everything about your life is affected by it. Everything is taken. You have nothing. Mm -hmm. Everything is taken from you. I know, like, you lose everything. You lose your family. I lost relationships with my children for a long time because of what was going on. I would drive around in a car with him, and I would see other people living life, and I would feel like I was looking at out a window at something I couldn't touch anymore. You know, other people are just happy and they're they're going about their lives. About a week ago, I went back to this same gas station where I had that incident and I realized I felt like part of life again. Like I have my life back again. It was it was so huge to finally be able to feel joy and safety again. I remember feeling that exact same way. We went to an amusement park and looking at the people and they're just walking by and feeling like they live in a different reality than I Yes. Do. Yeah, exactly. It's like they have no clue. Look at them. They're so happy. <laughs> I don't know what planet they're from, but it's not the same planet that I live on, right? Right. Yeah. But it, it's also helped me as a nurse. I mean, as horrible as this is to go through, I would never want anyone to go through this. But I remember not too long ago, about a month ago, I heard the cry of despair. There was a patient and she had that cry. And I said, that's despair. I know I've been there. We 
what's going on? We need to help. You know what I mean? So hey, that's interesting. I feel like I've gotten my PhD in human suffering through this. Fair. Yes. Yeah. As we laugh, when you say that, we both kind of chuckle a little bit. Like, oh, we have our PhD in, in despair. Seriously. <laughs> it, it does feel a little like that. It's not funny at all. It's not. But I, no. All of the women who have been through it, we have kind of a little bit of a dark sense of humor, I think. Is it? <laughs> yeah. It's all you have. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's a major, major part of our lives. I will never forget this phase of, I think this is my desert phase in my life. Yeah. Well, you are so strong and so brave. You know, I feel like the younger generation is starting to stand up more. I know that my daughters are standing up against abuse. I feel like maybe we have hope. Maybe there's going to be a change from us, you know, speaking out and having a voice. Maybe we're giving our daughters hope for a better future. And our sons. And I our think. sons, um, yes. My son is very, I'll just say feminist, for lack of a better word. I'm not sure what word to use, but he's always noticing things. In fact, I was listening to a song. I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I was like, oh, I love this song. And he was like, mom, this is a terrible song. <laughs> It's misogynistic and it's abusive and they're objectifying women and it's not good. You should not be listening to it. And I said, I said, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And he said, I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a metaphor or not. Like you should not be listening to this. Oh, what a wonderful boy. That's another thing that I've found like healing from trauma is that I used to like feel really the weight of the entire world on my shoulders. So it was hard to maybe go to a swimming pool. Right. It was difficult to listen to the radio or difficult to, you know, just like everyday things. I would get triggered so much. And now to kind of like chuckle at my son and think, oh, he's so cute. But I like this song, so I'm going to listen to it, which I probably shouldn't, by the way, I admit (laughs) it. But just not feel the weight of the world on my shoulders, right? To be like, I don't have to solve the world's problems and I don't have to be on high alert all the time. I can enjoy this song despite its misogynistic overtones and which again, I shouldn't, but what I'm trying to say is that's like huge progress for me. Yeah. That's a huge freedom. Yeah. Years ago, there's no way I would have been like, I can't watch TV. I can't do anything, you know, because there are hints of this everywhere and it should alarm us and it should overwhelm us, but we still need to be able to go to the grocery store, you know? So it, it makes it really, really, really hard. I am so glad to hear that you're in that phase because I I'm still healing and the world is still very overwhelming. Although it's it's getting slightly better, I still don't watch TV. I still don't listen to much music. I'm so glad to hear it all comes back. And that's okay too. There's evil stuff out there. I'm not trying to say like, oh, you'll be able to enjoy the evil thing. Like, no, right. no, 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 no. That is not what I'm trying to say. But it just being able to just function is really nice. Yeah, definitely. I told one of my patients the other day, like, oh, I don't really watch TV. You know, I'm not into TV. And she started prodding. She's like, well, why? I said, well, I've gone through trauma, you know, so it's just one of the things I lost was watching TV. She said, you don't watch TV yet. That's what I always tell all my students. You may not be able to do it now, but you can do it in the future. So not that TV is anything grand that I need to have in my life, but exactly. That's what I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want people to get the wrong impression. Like it's not like the most important thing. And it's not like it matters. Right. And also there's just a lot of just terrible, terrible stuff that you should never watch, even if you've never been through trauma. So that's not the type of stuff I'm talking about. 
No. Yeah, even before my trauma, like, I've followed Christ my whole life, and I still would, like, you know, monitor what I what I allow into my eyes and ears, you know? Yes, yeah, me too. Yeah. It just wasn't traumatizing before. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. don't want to give people the impression that I'm, like, listening to really terrible right. stuff. That's, that is not the case. <laughs> no. Sorry, I'm like, oh, my word, I'm digging the hugest hole for myself right now. <laughs> Everyone's like, we used to like Anne, but then she said... That sometimes she listens to a <laughs> Katy Perry song. Right. <laughs> Heaven forbid. No, it's the difference between being able to watch TV and something comes on and you're, you have the choice like, no, I don't want to watch that. And it being coming on and traumatizing you and ruining the rest of your day and you can't stop shaking. Like there's a difference. For people who are hesitant to listen to BTR or maybe not take it very seriously because they're like, this can't be abuse or they're just like, no, BTR is like too extreme or BTR is pro-divorce or Anne hates men. For people who are like hesitant and think this is the wrong way to go, what would you say to them? I think at first I thought that maybe it was more pro-divorce too. But what I did was I would look through the podcast and see which one called out to me. And when it's time for you to hear that podcast, it will be life-saving to you. So just take it when you need it. Take it as you need it. The Holy Spirit will really lead you to what you need to hear. And you will be surprised and overwhelmed at how life-saving these podcasts can and will be. Yeah, I'm not necessarily pro-divorce by any stretch. I am grateful for families, but I'm absolutely 100% pro-safety. Yeah. And then the other issue is that after divorce, so many women are continuing to experience really intense abuse. Divorce does not solve it. It can be a good boundary. It can be a boundary that can keep you safer than other things. So many women use it as a boundary and that's great, but it's not necessarily the solution. And that's why like domestic violence experts who I applaud make me nervous because they think the answer is like, just get divorced. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, no, if I get divorced, I'm going to still be abused and my kids are still going to be abused yes. for years. Yeah. So we need to find like a sustainable safety plan. Right. And I found that BTR was the only 100% safe program. Everything else had like, it's like you'd be listening to it and then a sting, it would hurt your heart. But when you listen to BTR, it, there's no stings. It, it's all safe. It feels safe. Everyone at BTR has been through it. Yeah. Right. We've yeah. all known what it's like to try and make those hard decisions, try to think about like what the best thing is going to be. And it is not easy. It is so hard. I think the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life for sure. Oh, well, I'm so happy to get to know you more and I wish you the best on your journey to further healing. I just want to say thank you so much for meeting with me. Like I said, this is so surreal for me. I've been listening to your voice for so many years and I just feel like God used you to keep me alive on so many nights and you're a kindred spirit with my heart. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 